This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 124 The Girl's Town Possession In the year of 2006, an unsettling wave of panic swept through the students and residents of La Vila Las Niñas, colloquially known as Girlstown, a solemn all-girl religious boarding school under the governance of the Sisters of Mary in the heart of Mexico City. The epicenter of this terror was a 15-year-old student accused of practicing witchcraft. Disturbing accounts from fellow students asserted that the accused girl had crafted and employed a malevolent Ouija board, clandestinely concealing it beneath her bed. It was rumored that, under the cover of night, she delved into the spirit realm, summoning ethereal entities and commanding them to exert their influence upon the living. A pivotal incident unfolded during the annual sports tournament when the nefarious board was unveiled, hastily the mother superior expelled the accused girl. Regrettably, the damage had already been unleashed, and the school found itself plagued in darkness. A morbid fascination with the Ouija board swiftly permeated Girlstown, with several girls venturing to use the board, noting eerie occurrences in the rooms and corridors of the venerable institution. Upon her expulsion, the disgraced student invoked a curse upon the school, prophesying, All those in my generation who accused me or thought badly about me will fall sick. You'll be sick in your legs. You will not be able to walk. In the ensuing months, a harrowing affliction descended upon Girlstown, with reports indicating that 512 students and faculty succumbed to an ailment that rendered them incapacitated unable to walk. Perturbed parents withdrew some students from the school, prompting the intervention of a government-appointed psychiatrist. The unraveling nightmare led to a series of exorcisms, as it was believed that the young witch's curse derived its malevolence from her own blood, spilled when her finger was severed in a door during an unnatural and sinister gust that swept through the building on the day of her expulsion. Whispers circulated suggesting that her dark powers were bestowed upon her by the devil himself, culminating in what would be deemed the most extensive case of mass demonic possession in history. Founded in 1991 with a noble mission to offer sustenance, shelter, and education to underprivileged 
and socially neglected girls in Mexico, Girlstown stands as a testament to compassion. Catering to over 4,000 students, aged 11 to 19, the school has garnered and upheld a positive reputation among its alumni. Yet, beneath the facade of benevolence, lies a chilling chapter in the institution's history. One that continues to cast a shadow over its corridors, and whispers through the chilling winds that sweep through the haunted halls of Girlstown. In eager anticipation, Ovita Sanchez Velasco embarked on her journey to Mexico City, prepared to embrace the next four years of her life within the walls of Girlstown. Stepping off the bus, she was promptly adorned in fresh attire and welcomed into a new family. Each family, overseen by a designated teenage girl known as the Elder Sister, played a crucial role in the communal care of their classmates. Jovita found herself assigned to the St. Bernadette family, situated on the pinnacle of the building in an area referred to as Phase 3. Alongside Jovita on the journey to Girlstown was a fellow young soul named Maria, matching Jovita's age and described as meek, pretty, and innocent. Maria, like many others at the school, hailed from a challenging home as the girls settled into their new families a camaraderie emerged. Fast forward two years to 2006, and the girls embarked on a field trip to a distinguished Catholic university in central Mexico. It was during this outing that one of the girls stumbled upon a magazine containing instructions for crafting a Ouija board. Despite the prohibition, Maria succumbed to intrigue, fashioning the forbidden board. The clandestine activities unfolded during the nightly hours of 9pm, when lights out was enforced. Maria and her cohorts would stealthily slip out through windows, ascending to the rooftop to engage with the newly crafted Ouija board. Accounts from Jovita and the other students recounted spectral summonings transpiring on the rooftop, accompanied by strange noises echoing through the school, particularly emanating from the bathrooms. Toilet flushes of their own accord became commonplace, and former students' apparitions were reported wandering the grounds, compelling Jovita to avoid sleeping near windows for fear of encountering these ghastly figures. Nightmares plagued the students with horrifying shadow figures tormenting some in their sleep. The haunting images of deceased infants some grotesque with missing faces, and others exuding pure malevolence with fiery red eyes, manifested throughout the school. Whispers circulated that Maria possessed the ability to conjure spirits, even without the Ouija board. Fueled by her mother's reputed status as a devotee of Saint Death, bestowed with witch-like powers. In the spring of 2006, Maria wielded her newfound supernatural influence during an annual basketball tournament, manipulating the outcome by summoning spirits. When her actions were reported to the nuns, Maria's bunk was searched, revealing the forbidden Ouija board. Mother Superior, Margie Chiang, swiftly expelled Maria, separating her from her peers 
and arranging for her departure. In the throes of her rage and isolation, Maria suffered a gruesome injury, catching her finger in a door amid a chilling and sinister wind. Blood spewed as she was escorted out of the building, cursing those who harbored negative thoughts against her. In the aftermath, reports of students unable to walk surfaced within days, particularly among those closely associated with Maria and the Ouija sessions. Amid rising panic, the nuns advised calm and prayer, attributing the mysterious illness to a conventional ailment. The afflicted students were relocated to designated quarantine areas, deemed highly contagious. Yet paranormal occurrences persisted, with spectral figures haunting the quarantined halls. Reports of a former student afflicted with a mouth-bleeding illness wandering girls' town in ghostly form became prevalent. Tests on food, water, and soil yielded no evidence of infectious pathogens or toxic agents, perplexing investigators. However, the students insisted on the supernatural origin of the affliction. Shared nightmares of classmates burning with Maria foretelling, you'll be next, plagued the girls causing synchronized screams in the dead of night. Even the nuns grappling with escalating dread began to entertain the notion that Maria's curse held sway. Mother Superior implored Maria to return and undo the curse, but she adamantly refused, furthering the affliction's grip on more students. By the spring of 2007, A year after Maria's Ouija-induced basketball manipulation, hundreds of students, including adults and faculty, found themselves ensnared by the mysterious malady, a chilling testament to the enduring consequences of a teenage girl's pact with the supernatural. Amidst the unfolding nightmare at Girlstown, Jovita found herself succumbing to the mysterious affliction, The onset of her illness was marked by a sensation akin to pricks, evolving into excruciating pain in her legs. Recounting her ordeal, she expressed, They screeched, and all of a sudden I couldn't stand up. When I tried, my legs would buckle. The toll mounted as students were systematically withdrawn from the school. Media scrutiny intensified, forcing the school to issue a public statement. Blame was cast upon the nuns and the strict system in place at Girlstown. Mother Superior, when interviewed, maintained, while the source of the symptoms was unclear, the diagnosis by health authorities is of a psychological ailment. Local authorities were compelled to intervene, dispatching a contingent of specialists including state and public health officials, pediatricians, neurologists, and epidemiologists. As the affliction peaked between February and March of 2007, with relapses rendering many incapacitated once more, a government-appointed psychiatrist, Dr. Nishila Loa Zavala, was dispatched to Girlstown as a representative of the Secretary of Health. 
charged with the daunting tasks of interviewing, diagnosing, and potentially treating the afflicted girls. Dr. Loa Zavala confronted a perplexing and unprecedented situation. The sheer volume of cases and the scarcity of answers left her grappling with the limits of her expertise. However, by June of 2007, a miraculous transformation occurred at Girlstown. The students, plagued by the inexplicable illness, experienced a complete recovery, regaining the ability to walk and resume normal functioning. The resolution of this enigma remains shrouded in uncertainty. Even with reports from Dr. Loa Zavala and the other publications, the exact mechanism by which the crisis abated remains difficult to determine. One could only surmise that the malevolent curse that had cast its pall over Girlstown had, at long last, run its course. Given the nature of the afflictions that besieged the students and the sheer magnitude of those plagued by the supposed curse, this case stands as a chilling milestone. The largest recorded instance of shared haunting or mass demonic possession to date. The echoes of that sinister chapter linger in the corridors of Girlstown, serving as a haunting reminder of a darkness that briefly consumed the very essence of the institution. Welcome campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now the debrief. So, Girlstown, eh? Girlstown. Girlstown, not USA. Mexico. No, Mexico. <laughs> this was a... This is a, a weird story. It's a... Uh, yeah. I feel like this is one that is, like, just primed for the mass hysteria explanation. Oh, I... Yeah. I, I mean, it is. Um, as we get a little bit deeper here, and we go over, like, the psychologist... Or psychiatrist report... Um, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, it's hard to say for sure. You know, I, obviously there's a lot to it. Yeah. I, I feel like the people love to skeptics in particular love to cry mass hysteria, but in this situation in particular, we're talking about a group of teen girls, right? Right. For the most part, there was some faculty affected. Mm -hmm. Eventually, right? But yeah, some of the nuns. Mostly, and you're talking other faculty. Yeah. became became afflicted as well and started to experience and started to question rather the lake sickness. Right. Yes, the lake sickness. <laughs> yeah, that phrasing just struck me funny for some reason. The like you'll have sick legs. I mean, that yeah, that was exactly like her. Yeah, she said, all those in my generation who accused me or thought badly about me will fall sick. You will be sick in your legs. You will not be <laughs> yeah, able to it. walk. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's very strange. You'll be sick in your legs. Your legs are going to be ruddy that's like a, I wonder if that's poorly translated. It might be. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> You'll be sick in your legs. I mean... I, um, it would it would make it would make a lot of sense if it was, but still, yeah, it sounds it sounds fun. 
It's but what I was saying was I hope your legs catch I the feel worst like, cold. Uh, in particular Anyhow. because because this is like young girls, I feel like right. people would be very quick to say like it's mass hysteria. Yeah. Like Yeah. Of course. Which I'm sure they have, right? Right. A lot of people are I mean they just write it off as that. Yeah, that's that's the that's the thing. Um and a lot of it has to do with being in the institution. And of course, all these girls come from troubled families, you know, tr- not, not troubled families, sure. but maybe troubled homes, um, less than fortunate homes and difficult situations. Exactly. So, you yeah. know, they may have been subject to abuse, whether it be mentally or physically, yeah. um, or just have not been able to have like the actual things that they you know the necessary things for survival yeah. or for you know just growing up right and so getting yeah, a chance to go trauma exactly yeah to go to this um you know to the, go to this all-girl boarding school you know basically gives them that uh that that step or that that ability to almost not necessarily start over but a new beginning right yeah Definitely. And and that's why this place is so highly I mean it's highly praised and very like sought after and yeah a lot of uh a lot of the people that have went a lot of the the girls that have went here of course uh have went on to do awesome things um there was one one in particular that now works in in uh in Washington DC and works for the government and you know and I mean you know and, and a lot of these went on to do you know other crazy crazy things that's just one one specific example yeah and so i mean you know it's it is and everyone that has went there has had nothing but praise you know in in return or to to come back and you know praise the school and especially as this went down um you know a lot of these a lot of these past alumni were reaching out to social media and defending the school defending the nuns because you know because they started a lot of the uh, like government officials and law enforcement started to blame the faculty, the school, like the nuns, the the teachers, everyone at the school, gotcha. for mistreatment and poor and very very strict, rigid, yeah, um, your rules and and things like that. And so, yeah, uh, that's that's where a lot of that comes like, from too. Like if some crazy shit like this is going on, then there's a solid chance there's some darkness going on in the background that we're not right. seeing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah. so, yeah, and so and, and these and they all took to social media to have nothing but great things to say. And, you know, I mean, obviously, yeah. You know, that's that's one of the things is that you know, it, it, they and a lot of them said that, you know, their time there was some of the best times of their lives and some of the most pivotal points of their lives and, you know, in growing up and becoming the women that they are, you know, today. Um, and so, and, and so I, like, to me that it, that almost just kind of dismisses, you know, a lot of the concerns of, yeah you know, of their treatment and things like that. I mean, if so many people are coming forth and saying, no, it was, it was actually great. They cared for us, you know, deeply. Sure. I feel like that's just there. I, I feel like they were kind of grasping, you know, like reaching, reaching for just anything they could, to try and make a case against the school and the conditions and whatever else. Yeah. Thinking that maybe these are some of the reasons why, you know, whatever, you know, some of that yeah, traumatic, it seems like whatever. they were jumping to conclusions. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Because, I mean, the report that the psychiatrist did um, did release in the end is... Uh, I don't know. Once we get there, you'll you'll have to decide. But it to me, it's just like, it's almost disappointing. Um, you know? Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Just because, like... It's, um... The case is the case is very cool. There's obviously a lot to it, and I don't think it's just mass hysteria. But yeah, that's just me. Yeah, that's fair. It's um, I I like the bit where um, where they're trying where they're trying to convince the girls that there's like a rational scientific explanation for what's going on. They're like trying to figure out like is it some disease is it like a contagious illness or right and it's like you spent years pouring like religion and superstition into their minds and then you're like it's not religious or superstitious well see that was that was of course the school the faculty like that was their first like you know uh kind of first reaction was to separate these girls thinking maybe that there was something contagious something that was rapidly spreading you know because it was affecting 100 girls 200 girls you know right um at a time where you know and so they they thought maybe this is something that is you know that they need to separate separate these you know these children yeah uh from and hopefully it won't spread so much but there was sort of like uh there was a a sort of frustrated reaction to the girls embracing the like supernatural explanation yeah there there was definitely um you know because a lot of a lot of these girls had witnessed they they were a part of maria and you know part of playing with this ouija board that maria had made and you had seen a lot of these things they were seeing you know ghostly figures they were seeing apparitions they were hearing noises they were having all these experiences that had taken place after they had started dabbling into you know this this new the new forbidden arts. thing right the dark arts <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um didn't uh didn't uh what's her face didn't Velveeta make the uh the Ouija board <laughs> no Maria did I thought like I thought the other girl really so, started it and then Maria's the one who ran with it. No, so what what ended up happening is uh, Velveeta or Jovita. Uh, I almost forgot her actual name. Yeah, uh, so her yeah. and Maria became became friends uh, at first, you know, and then basically two years into them living there, they happened to go to this uh, very like esteemed Catholic. Um, it's like a Catholic university. University. And yeah. while they were there, one of the girls found this magazine that spoke of this Ouija board and had all the steps to make it. Yeah. And Maria was instantly intrigued. Okay. So she she take like she ends up taking you know taking and I think she just took the like ripped out the page and took it home. Gotcha. Because it basically just said I mean the instructions were simple yes no the alphabet and then use a use a piece of glass but the thing to it is you have to use your hands to move it. And it'll move on its own. And these were specifically what the instructions in this magazine said. Yeah. Um, I didn't include it in the story. Just obviously, you know, we know how Ouija board works. Yeah. Um, For sure. But yeah, so it was Maria that had actually found it, like taken interest into it immediately. And so yeah. she goes back and okay. creates, creates it and 
you know, ends up talking the girls into trying it out. And so they all end up sneaking out the window and climbing onto the roof to play with this thing. Um, you know, which... Now, there's... I mean, based on the cases that we've researched over the years, you would think that there's this sort of, like, undeniable connection between Ouija boards and possession. Right. Right. Because Ouija boards are the beginning of so many possession stories. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I get why, you know, the the idea, at least, of why, but... I, yeah, I mean, I tend, I tend to think of Ouija boards as a, a medium, you know, just like, yeah. just like tarot cards or runes, like... Where it's all about intention and your mind space when you're using it. So, I I guess I'm I agree like I'm always sure. left wondering: Is it the sociological connection that already exists between Ouija boards and the idea of possession that sort of plants that in their consciousness while they're using it? You know so, what I mean? And I think you're actually kind of circling back to where I was where I was going too was I think in this particular case it was said and it was widely known by the students at the the students at the school that it was claimed at least that Maria's mom um was essentially like a a devotee of saint saint death okay and had already been dabbling within you know within what or had been dabbling in witchcraft and and the like basically and so I think if that's true then Maria already has maybe intent there, right? Gotcha. She's okay. maybe trying, you know, she's learned of these things that maybe her mom is interested in or whatever. And so she decides to take it a yeah. step further. Um, I don't know the if there's a hundred percent truth to dabbler. it. Right. Exactly. I don't, I don't know that there is yeah. truth to that, but that was, that was something that was widely known at the school or at least claimed by, you sure. know, by the girls there was that her mom. Yeah did practice or I think it's just like I guess my question is like if you go into using a Ouija board or any other medium but in this case a Ouija board with sort of even a worry that it could lead to something like possession is that sort of like taking acid thinking I'm gonna have a bad trip and then you, you know what I mean yourself to you? yes yeah, I I suppose. I mean, it, I think it's really it's in. It depends on the person, right? Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, if you go into it expecting like, oh, something bad is going to happen, you're already, you know, you're already going in with that mindset. So yeah. yeah, you might be opening yourself up for some type type of negative energy or something to come through. Um, sure. Yeah, I think I think that's possible for sure. Sounds good, at least. I think because, yeah. <laughs> I guess my my thought is like because it's so in my experience in my opinion both those situations are so driven by your intentions right you know what I mean and if you put yourself in a mindset of like this is gonna this is gonna end badly then there's more at least more of a chance a greater chance that it will end badly yeah yeah I would I would say so even if it's not specifically something that's happening with the board but it's in you know it's basically your mind yeah. playing tricks on you 
Sure. Yeah, without a doubt. And so, yeah, I mean, that could be part of this. Um, you know, it could be, it could be that when, because, you know, after, because there was, there was, you know, everything was all hunky-dory, basically. And, you know, the girls and Maria are playing with this board until this basketball tournament. And the different dorms basically are playing against each other. Um, and so Maria ends up using the board by by herself, I guess, in this case. And some some of the girls had seen her or had witnessed it. But using it to try and contact the spirit room to inf- or the spirit realm to influence the game are the results of you know which dorm actually won the game. Um, and so that's when, of course, they're like, "Oh, she's a cheater!" So they have to go and you know contact the you know well go and reach out to uh, you know whoever's in charge at that point. And of course, they immediately are like, "Oh, well, Ouija boards are no nos here." Right. So she gets kicked out. But that answers one of my questions, which is why the curse affected her friend group, her previous friend group, more than it affected anyone else. Like, yeah, they were the ones who kind of threw her under the bus. Yeah. Yeah. They were they were basically the ones, you know, these the girls that had been using this with her. Um, And I guess because, again, they felt that she was cheating and, you know, trying to basically like turn the odds in her favor for or whatever a basketball else. tournament right exactly i mean it's just it is it's silly to me yeah um and the fact that you know like they're just like oh she's she's meh. and that was the thing is yeah they were just they were bitching because she was cheating yeah and that's why they go and tell on her but yeah then maria i mean her in her fit of rage at that point like she's just I mean, obviously this girl this she had a door slam on her finger and nearly sever it. It's basically hanging out with like nothing. Yeah. Um. She's pissed. Yeah. She's she's getting kicked out of out of this school that she's you know probably has a much better life than she had previously. And yeah, and that like that fit of rage, of course, she's gonna throw out and maybe she has developed some abilities of some sorts because they started to claim that she could do things even without the use of the Ouija board. And contact, you know, yeah. whatever else. So, yeah, and maybe she, maybe she was, and she decided, hey, you guys, you guys did this to me. Basically, it's your fault. So here you go. Have at it. Yeah. Have yeah. this. So she sickness. on her way out. She's on her way out. She's pointing with her remaining fingers. <laughs> she's like, your legs will be sick, and your legs will be sick. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I I wrote in my notes. Um, expelled from school and have your finger cut off in one day. Right, not a great day. That's that's no, I would say so. That's uh, that's yeah, that would be rough. That's man. a bad combination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know if she ever if she, After, she lost the finger or if she got to keep it. But what I mean, did you learn anything about what ever happened to Maria? Like, how did she ever respond to so the a lot of this crisis? This the, this is the bad part. A lot of the you know a lot of the reports that we have now, after the in, the initial investigation, when they ended up when the law enforcement came like uh, ended up basically cutting in and doing doing everything that they did, and then of course the government appointing the psychiatrists yeah. and everything. A lot of the information and a lot of the reports and everything uh, at that point 
there's no longer like the access access them was taken away so like we don't know of course that none of it's none of that's public anymore or whether it was at that point i don't, I don't know specifically um yeah so a lot of uh, you know a lot of this what happened whatever else um even names in this uh even names in these uh, a lot of these you know cases were pseudonyms as well um right so yeah it, unfortunately we just don't know specifically now uh mother superior of the school she did try and reach back out to maria asking her to return to the school and undo the curse that she had you know done on everybody um but she refused that's intense. right um and that was the last i mean that's the only other thing we really know and so whether her name was fully maria you know again i every everything yeah. about this like that's the name that's been and some of them have been this person that under the pseudonym of this name or whatever late whatever right so some of them we know were actual fake names but i don't know if maria was specifically but yeah unfortunately there's just not a lot of information there to to know what happened to her afterwards yeah so so this is like uh it you said it affected like how many people ultimately in total 512 students and faculty like lost the ability to use their legs yeah i mean well that's my understanding or maybe it had some yeah. some but i mean that was the whole thing though was you will fall ill yeah. and no longer be able to use your legs so at one point or another yeah. lost the ability to use their legs even maybe it was for a short period of time a day weeks months i don't know but some people like slept the wrong way and their legs fell asleep and then maybe, they woke yeah. up and they're like I'm or maybe they just cursed. started having like when uh Hovita her like her initial her initial thing which happened happened later she was one of the later ones she said she started feeling pricks in her legs yeah and all of a sudden her legs it was like a screech and then they buckled and would no longer work yeah that's scary so I mean you know someone might have just had that they might have had like a like that super super sleepy leg syndrome where all you, you just feel like pins and needles and you know it yeah but i mean even that like if, if you have all these other people that are experiencing all this stuff i would say that's probably you're probably at least like you know even if it's just mild it's affected you yeah you know, if you definitely. if you're feeling anything like that i mean when everybody else is that you know losing the ability to use their legs uh, it's just my thoughts yeah no that makes sense yeah i'm can you talk a little bit about the official response uh there was uh so basically just uh you know kind of the i guess going back to that so they did appoint a lot of uh whether i mean they had um like pediatricians epidemiologists uh neurologists they had law enforcement they had the the government appointed psychiatrist all came to the school they did testing you know they tested the food they tested the surroundings they i mean they tested everything um they even i mean when is when as far as basically they tried to they tried all all types of types of different remedies as well even as far as like ancient asian like uh herbal herbal remedies and things like that but nothing worked um you know nothing yielded any results basically and you know so this psychiatrist ended up coming in and she's interviewing everybody uh she's doing you're reporting basically just talking talking to the different students finding out what you know what had happened to him she had actually 
uh, talked to a girl that uh, was under the pseudonym of Satali, a 12-year-old girl, and she basically, had, you know, telling her, she was telling, um, what was uh, what was the psychiatrist's name? Zalava? Or Zavala? Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she told her basically that uh, her sleep was disturbed by being woken up to strange noises and black shadows being seen in the middle of the night. Uh, she complained to seeing ghosts and deceased infants around the school. Uh, this is one that, um, before we get into the psychiatrist report, I just want to do a couple of these, like what some of the people actually had reported. Um, but she described yeah. she described seeing deceased infants, and she quoted them as very ugly, bloody, and with red eyes and wrinkled faces. She also went on to say That's that some terrifying. of them had their cord still, with no faces, and on other occasions. Ugh. They would appear as little angels beside the Lord. Um, okay. She also went on to say that playing with Ouija is like being with the devil. Um, Interesting. Yeah, right? And See, I wonder so much when I hear things like that. Is that like... that's so, At least some of that has to be like... A person's perception... A person's perception being colored by their belief systems. Right? Oh, I think without a doubt. Because I've yeah. played around... I've played around with Ouija boards and it never felt like talking to the devil no, to me. No, not at all. You know, it's, it's uh, the excitement. Like maybe it's like, maybe then again, then the, the environment that they're in, first of all, uh, you know, any type of energy, whether it be spiritual or whatever else that's, that's manifested there. Um, and then like, yeah, then doing something that, you know, is forbidden. It's extremely taboo and you know, it can get you in trouble. Maybe it's just yeah. like, Knowing all that, like maybe it felt it felt so wrong that it felt like basically, you know, playing patty cake so with the right. devil. Yeah, or so right. Yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, they're the perfect age to be going toward things they're told to stay away from. Right. And uh, apparently, just another thing, another thing that I I didn't mention in the story is some of the girls that had played with the Ouija board were reported. Uh, making voodoo dolls and sticking the pins, sticking pins in the left legs of the dolls. Wow! So further, like further aiding into like this whole thing, right? Um, so just to kind of skip ahead, and then we'll we'll kind of backtrack just a little bit here. So the um, they had sent exorcists uh, to the school to try and perform exorcisms. Of course, nothing nothing re- yielded any results there. Ultimately, I mean. Yeah. You know, after everything went back to normal, the psychiatrist report kind of came back uh, unsatisfactorily, basically, uh, stating that it was a mere psychotic episode that resulted from modes of communications, uh, communication of its members. She went on to say the afflicted students suffered from uh, deficits in their ego capacities and an underdeveloped true self. Basically. So every teenager. Right. Thus giving birth to unconscious <laughs> fantasies, most of those pertaining to current or past sexual life. She believed that the girl's troubled home life had caused them to convert or relocate the abuse to different parts of their bodies. Huh. So basically, it was an outburst of repressed sexuality and trauma. Okay. And she also said that the girl speaking of ghosts was merely a way for them to process the environment of the boarding school to being like quote a cold womb yeah and she basically uh compared mother superior and maria to 
God and the devil. And additionally, she said that their hmm. bodies needed to speak. So through these symptoms, the girls were trying to say something, trying to evoke change. Interesting. That might be a little high-minded. It's extremely, extremely of an yes. interpretation. I mean, like, yeah, it kind of it kind of makes sense. Like, there there's some parts of that that I could say, okay, you know, I I can I can understand that, but I think like I think you're going way too late. I mean, it's, obviously she's just this is all theory, right? And she's yeah, of course, trying to use all you know. I don't I, I don't know. <laughs> like to me, it just I I feel like it's just a way to be like, all right, here you go. This is exactly why this happened and you know anybody's gonna buy okay well you know they have this this pent-up you know sexuality that's not you know they're obviously young girls and they're in the confines of this you know police whatever else like yeah, yeah and they're also using that plus their past traumas that they've experienced whether again it's physical or mental abuse or just you know troubled home lives and whatever else like as a means of trying to make sense of it so their bodies are apparently like like she said you know they're they're basically pointing it to specific areas of their body and uh, yeah their their legs i don't know why specifically like that and that would happen after (laughs) maria's like your legs will become sick that is very strange but maybe it just had them thinking that so of course like all this like trauma this um you know maybe just being so uh, like the the stressful situation and everything, you know, maybe maybe that contributed, right? And all and all yeah. that kind of playing playing a role there. Again, I don't know, but like I just it seems almost like a cop out in the report. Like like somebody needed to know something, and so I mean, she was like, "All right, well, this is here you go." Right. This is the like psych one hundred and one explanation. Right. Exactly. I feel like the whole bit with the with the psychiatrist is. It's definitely reaching. Yeah. Like, and obviously you and I are sort of like supernaturally minded, I guess, or leaning in that direction, you know, and on a lot of cases, um, I mean, we believe in ghosts, whatever they are, right? Like a lot of people don't. Yeah. Right. That's fair. So to me it feels sort of like maybe dismissive definitely reductionist yeah you know no i i agree with you for sure i feel i feel like she's trying to like wrap it up in a in one nice little neat package i mean she was government appointed if she was to come back and say you know honestly i they might there might be something here she's probably gonna get some backlash for that probably you know so using you know makes sense i guess going in the direction that any i guess sane sane minded psychiatrist or psychologist whatever in this case would normally do so would be to follow the under under the influence of you know the greats like freud and you know kind of maybe go down that that sexual route and you know the way right so i mean which I feel like she did, and maybe maybe too much in this case. I think is it you know for at least for me, and almost screamed like there was there was way too much pent up sexuality or something that was causing a lot of this too, in combination with trauma that was you know just building up and you know causing these kind of just 
self self inflicted ailments maybe not inflicted but yeah. self afflicted i guess uh ailments sure. right but so so like so in such a mass amount and to not only be affected by the children but also by some of the adults yeah and you know it just to it's me it doesn't make sense yeah i mean it would be it would be pretty bizarre now there have been a lot of cases over the years where mass hysteria genuinely does affect like dozens and hundreds of people well, yeah yeah that's right? true that's true um and it's shared man, psychosis it's sort of like a stuff like that too yeah right and the whole the whole fact that like whether you believe the school's practices were were bad or or not yeah right the the fact that all these people are they're definitely to some extent secluded from outer society yeah that's true right like they're all sort of in this one environment and they mostly interact with each other i mean this area is like and, unlocked too like there's like guard tower yeah. i mean yeah but it's like 80 acres yeah. of just like beautiful grass and kind of like forest area and yeah. lots of, you know i mean they have plenty of room to be but of course they can't go outside but it's like a little society of their own right exactly you know? yeah um and those environments like that are are just ripe for things like shared psychosis. Yeah. And group hysteria. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's you almost get like you can get that like cult thinking yeah. going where like if enough people tell you like your legs are going to stop working, you feel you feel pressure. Right. You feel pressure to to conform to what's going on around you whether you realize that it, you're being pressured into it or not you That's know what i mean absolutely fair yeah 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 no i i i i have i i agree i agree you know obviously um you know i think i myself i think there was a little bit more to it you know i think that there there was obviously there was something here some whether whether it was a curse or whether it was just you know the influence, um, like Maria's influence on on everybody causing yeah. this. I think there was some something right now. With that said, there was never any actual revealed cure or remedy. Yeah. Um. You know, dude. Even even in obviously the psychiatrist report, any of the public information that's been made available. Um. Again, I mean, they had tried all sorts of different things. What seemed to really happen was most of the children were physically removed from the school back to their home lives and of course returned to normal um the remaining affected were actually all moved to one floor and they had actually uh almost every one of them reported being healed by the virgin mary um one of the students had actually went on to say that uh, she had said quote since it was dark all i saw was the silhouette um, and basically this happened when they were all gathered on the one floor. She watched as a veiled nun approached her. But when she got closer, she realized it wasn't a nun. It was white. Um, the woman massaged her legs and then went on to basically just moved on to the next girl. The next morning, all the students reported being visited by the Virgin Mary. 
And so, and that was basically the remaining ones there. And then everybody's all back to normal, right? So, I mean, you know, maybe that was also some shared psychosis or some shared, uh, you know, episode or whatever. Or the school hired an actress to play Virgin Mary. Ah, I like that. The way... Right? The way that, like, a children's hospital will have, like, someone dress up as Santa Claus. Right? And that's fair. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair again. <laughs> no, honestly, that, that could be possible. I didn't even I didn't even consider, you know, that possibility. Um, yeah. I know another one of the girls had said when she had first gotten sick that she was visited by Virgin Mary. She had a dream that said she dream she said... I dreamed about many red roses in the middle was a was, in the middle of them was a white rose. I also dreamed about the virgin who told me not to be afraid of her. And several other students of course reported seeing like the virgin Mary or being you know hearing things um sure. you know throughout the, I mean of course you're in such a you know such a place where that's you know you're taught spirituality and you're taught you know to th- not to think anything different basically. So yeah, you yeah. Know. That's possible. And I mean, it is, it is, it is definitely a thing in Catholicism where you, where you thank, you thank God for, for things, but you ask the Virgin Mary for things. Right. Yeah. Like she's like, she's seen as like a force of, of healing and contrition and sort of like the source of, of, writing your your path yeah yeah no that's so i i could see her being linked in their minds to agreed. getting better yeah yeah which i mean makes perfect sense for sure and of course those were yeah. the remaining the remaining few and then again june of 2007 everybody was all back to their their normal selves and so that's again where you know did were they visited you know was the fact that uh, the others were removed from the school, no longer within the confines of that, no longer under the influence of this curse or, you know, this group psychosis or shared, you know, shared hysteria, whatever else. The fact that they were pulled from that, see, did that contribute? Right. Yeah. See, that's the, that's the thing is that's like the, that's the sticky bit is that like them getting better once they're removed could be used as an argument for it being a curse and it being group psychosis. Right. Exactly. Because we don't know. <laughs> of when you take when you pull them out, are you pulling them out of the radius of the curse? Mm-hmm. Or are you removing them from the group dynamic that's contributing to this psychosis? Exactly. You know, it could be either. Yep. Yeah, and that and that's and that's yeah, my that's interesting. That's you know, that's my position is yeah, honestly, it's it's hard to know for sure. Um, but again, yeah. like I feel like at the end of the day, there was there is something there's something there. I don't think it was just one hundred percent shared shared hysteria with no, you know, or maybe I don't think it was quite like the uh, the psychiatrist report. I don't think that sure. was the influence sure. or whatever else. Um, but yeah, honestly, I mean, I can't say, man. It's you know, being in the position that we are the way that you know the way that we have to kind of think or or approach these things like part of me wants to Mm -hmm. be like curse all the way these girls were under some influence of possession whether it even be just like you know becoming afflicted by by maria's fit of rage and 
you know, this influence that she had on them. But even at the same time, yeah. if it wasn't that and it was just where they felt like you know being told that their legs were going to fail or this or that or whatever and they start to share in this this hysteria how is that not the same yeah exactly i think that's what i was gonna say next is like i don't think this is why i don't like the psychiatrist take is because i don't think we've spent enough time trying to get to the bottom of the nature of things like group psychosis. Right. Like, if it is group psychosis, like, w- there, there's some thread connecting these people. You know, like, yeah. it's, you can't just say, like, group psychosis, check. <laughs> well, that does it. Yeah. Like, there's, there's something. How? What ties them together? What ties them to. Yeah, to share in this, right? I'm just going to say there's there's something magical about things like group psychosis. Like okay. in in my opinion, it there's I think in societal dynamics in general, there's something magical going on. There's something there that we don't see. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Yeah, it's I I I, I agree. It seems obvious to me mm-hmm. that yeah. And that's where, like I, I say, what, how is it not the same in that case, then? Yeah, exactly. exactly. There's obviously some influence, whether it be, like, this demonic force or whatever that she's been able to possess and and unleash uh-huh. out onto, you know, these unfortunate people. Or just this negative influence she had and, you know, and just the impact she made because of this. Because they yeah. knew all these things that yeah. she was doing was so wrong. Yeah, Absolutely. It's, I mean, we, and we've talked on this show a ton of times about the fact that, like, curses and prayers and, and the placebo effect, they're all the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So who's to say that all it took wasn't just her saying, you're fucked now. And that, that just plants the seed. Agreed. Right? It's just like... Get, it's just like telling someone what you're giving them is is alcohol, and then three drinks later they're acting drunk. That placebo and effect, they, yeah, you know what I can, mean. It can have a massive a massive effect on people. Just yeah, I mean again, whether it's your your brain, your mind, whatever, a mix of all of it, mm-hmm. it can it can do a lot for sure. Yeah, it has a big effect mm-hmm. for sure. And it's people think of the placebo effect in the realm of like medication, where it's a positive thing. Right. There are plenty of negative placebo effects, also, like the drunk thing. Yeah. Which happens all the time. That's true. You know. I mean, it's it'd be easy because you, again, you're setting yourself up to expect this, and so you're yep. your brain and you're is around instantly. other people who are exactly. acting drunk. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. yeah, just like you might be around people whose legs stop working. Yep. So, oh man, my yep. my legs no longer work as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly. crazy. It's it's a. I mean, this is this is a crazy one for sure. But it's definitely unique and and really cool at the same time. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one. It's it's weird. For it's sure. anytime something like this happens to this many people, you have to stop and like 
just to ask yourself, what the fuck happened here? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Agreed. Like it's, that's a huge event. Mm-hmm. 512 people like that. Jesus. That, that's a, that's a pretty extreme number. Yeah, it is. This is like the Phoenix lights of possession. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah. But it sounds like, I mean, we're, yeah, we're kind of in the same same kind of mindset yeah, there think, for sure absolutely cool well i uh yeah honestly i, th- I think that's going to do it for this episode then this is episode what 124 the girl's town possession thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of our weird possibly alien maybe ghostly probably cryptid hearts for listening We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown. unknown.